This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Five minutes after the hour, it's Monday, December 13th. Good morning and welcome back to Morning Air on the Memorial of St. Lucy, Virgin and Martyr. I'm John Morales. Glenn is off today. Thanks so much for joining us on this third Monday of Advent. Can you believe that Christmas is a week from this coming Saturday, only 12 days away? Once again, I'm asking all of our listeners, I'm asking every one of you to open up your hearts. Bishop William Medley of the Diocese of o- Owenboro, Kentucky, is asking for prayers. We all need to pray for all the victims and all the families that were devastated by tornadoes this weekend that ripped across Illinois, Missouri, Arkansas, Tennessee, and especially Mayfield, Kentucky, where more than 80 have died, perhaps as many as 100, including three children in a candle factory that was absolutely leveled, and six more died in an Amazon facility in southern Illinois, uh, just outside of St. Louis. My heart goes out to all of those families that are going through this very difficult tragedy just before Christmas. May the Lord give them strength and His peace to get through it. We begin every day and every hour in prayer, uh, asking the Lord through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit here on Morning Air when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. As we do every morning, our power scripture from the playbook of life is from Psalm 46, 1 and 2. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. This is a very powerful psalm with the important reminder that even in the face of trouble and the most difficult of circumstances, God is our refuge and our strength. Scripture doesn't talk about the absence of tough times, but the Lord promises His presence in the most difficult and the most trying of times. As Catholics, we know that Christ is present in the Scriptures, in the Word of God, in the priests, in the congregation, the faithful. He's present in the sacraments and especially in the Holy Eucharist par excellence. So always remember that our Lord Jesus Christ is always with us. And we pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. 
Now, this past Friday, the Supreme Court ruled that a lawsuit challenging the legality of the Texas abortion ban can proceed before the law is enforced against anyone. This means that the Supreme Court is letting the Texas abortion ban keep saving babies, and they've saved a lot of babies uh, since it started. And it also dismissed uh, President Joe Biden's lawsuit against it. This ruling comes as the Supreme Court considers uh, the other major Mississippi Dobbs abortion case as well. Now joining us for much more perspective on the Texas heartbeat law is Sean Carney, the president and CEO and co-founder of 40 Days for Life, the world's largest grassroots movement to end abortion. Sean has been the executive producer of several award-winning pro-life documentaries. He's authored the number one top-rated Christian book, 40 Days for Life, Discover What God Has Done, Imagine What He Can Do. And he's also written two other best-selling books, including his most recent, What to Say when. Sean lives in Texas with his wife and eight children. Good morning, Sean. Thanks so much for joining us. Always great to be with you. Good morning, John. Good to be back. Well, Sean, I, uh, I especially thought of you as soon as the word came down on, uh, on Friday uh, from the Supreme Court uh, on the heartbeat uh, uh, ban. Uh, can you talk to us about uh, the, the Supreme Court and uh, what they ruled on Friday and uh, explain what this means for us? Yeah, it's not surprising. Um, it's what we expected. Um, I think what's bad is if the Supreme Court um, just says, you guys are crazy, you can't have a law like this, and they suspend it, and they stop it uh, immediately, and that didn't happen. So it was very, very good. Um, you know, I, I think that the fact that they're allowing the lawsuits to, to challenge it. The lawsuits, by the way, unlike Roe v. Wade, they're not from uh, a, a woman's perspective. This, these are the abortion doctors. These, these are the abortionists suing. It's the right um, for doctors to do abortions, which is actually what Roe v. Wade is. So it, it's ironic that most of these abortion cases that that justify abortion in our country are not from women. Uh, it's a very important point. They're from the doctors who are doing or want to do abortions. Um, so it's not surprising. I, I was very encouraged by the fact that they allowed the law to go forward. Um, and so uh, because that's I think the Texas law is considered so extreme, as the other side continues to call us the Taliban, um, that the Supreme Court would say, wait a second, this is kind of crazy land. We're going we're gonna to suspend it, and then we'll get to the case. And they didn't do that. Uh, they accepted the challenge, which was expected, uh, but they allowed the law to, to continue, which, as you said, is, is saving babies every day. Do you see it from that perspective as a as a victory uh, for uh, the pro life movement? It means that that babies can continue to be saved from abortion. There were reports of fifty to hundred babies being saved every day in the state of Texas. For sure, yeah. That that obviously is the big victory: is the babies being saved <clears throat> legally. I think it's a smaller victory that's just part of the procedure, and we'll see what comes from it. Um, but it, it, it is a victory because they, they are allowing it to move forward. Um, but we're going to see what happens. And I think what's outrageous is uh, Chief Justice John Roberts' opinion that he put out Friday warning the other justices that the Texas law is a threat to the authority of the Supreme Court. It's absolutely outrageous and unheard of for a chief justice to tell states, you're challenging the federal law, and therefore you're 
threatening the authority of the Supreme Court. I mean, he's just talking. It's just his opinion. He he is so bad for the court and for our country. But, um, you know, he was opining on Friday saying that uh, how bad warning the other justices not to support the Texas law, basically lobbying. Uh, that they overturn this. And so the whole time, by the way, we're talking about whether we should allow the heartbeats of babies to continue or not. And uh, and he's he's opining on all this. So he's a terrible chief justice. We definitely know that now. But uh, but thank God we have the majority uh, even without him. And, and, you know, the Dobbs case and the Texas case are, are looking very, very promising for the pro-life side. Absolutely. I'd love to get into the Dobbs case here in, in a moment. Uh, but, but as far as the Texas heartbeat law, um, what is it that the other side is so riled up about that, to call it uh, so extreme and uh, calling pro-lifers the, the Taliban? What, what are some of the key issues um, for our listeners to understand why it's being attacked so much? Because it it essentially ended abortion in Texas for the time being, because if a heartbeat is detectable, um, you, you, you can't have an abortion. And unlike previous heartbeat laws or previous pro-life laws, it gives the private citizen the ability to sue the abortion doctor if he does an abortion or if she does an abortion. And so, you know, it's, it's, it, it's not like don't ask, don't tell. Like, I did the ultrasound. I didn't hear a heartbeat. Let's do the abortion. It allows outsiders to monitor that and, and to take legal action. And if there's one thing most abortion doctors are afraid of, it's a lawsuit because none of them went to medical school to become an abortion doctor. Something went wrong, um, and they usually got sued for malpractice and ended up being an abortionist just, to, just for the cash. And so um, that's why they say it's so extreme because it stops so many abortions. And, and, and they say, well, you know, you can't have an abortion at, at at eight weeks, at six weeks in Texas, um, you know, you treat women like, like the Taliban. Like that obviously doesn't apply to unborn women. Half of these abortions are done on little girls. But, you know, it's, uh, it's what they have, John. What else are they supposed to say? You know, there's no heartbeat. You know, they can't just make up science. So they, they, they go to the Taliban and they go to these other... You know, <laughs> it's almost laughable, actually, when you think about it. It's almost it laughable. Is, no, I didn't know I was a member of the Taliban. I'm a member <laughs> of the Knights of Columbus. I'm a member of the Knights of the Holy Sepulchre. I didn't know that I was a member of the Taliban until a reporter told me, but um, as a male in Texas. So it's ridiculous, and it doesn't deserve our, our seriousness. And it's a sign of what Ruth Bader Ginsburg said about Roe v. Wade, which is it's bad law. It's very bad law. Sandra Day O'Connor said that Roe v. Wade was on a collision course with itself. Those are two female pro-choice Supreme Court justices that knew how poor Roe v. Wade was written, by all men, by the way, and how science uh, will eventually catch up with it. And Sandra Day O'Connor said, I will no, no longer tinker with the mechanisms of death. You know, Roe v. Wade is on a collision course with itself. And so... We're here now. Now we can, you know, look at the, the, the hairs of the eyebrows of unborn children. And we, this is such dated law. It's, it's barbaric in how it's carried out, obviously. And it requires constant justification and dehumanization. 
If you're passionate about defending life uh, or you have a question or comment uh, for uh, 40 Days for Life, President and CEO Sean Carney about the Texas heartbeat law. We're also uh, going to, to talk here uh, in a moment about the uh, the Dobbs case as well. Uh, feel free to give us a call. Be part of the conversation. 888-914-9149. Uh, Sean, uh, on Friday, the high court also said that this, the other lawsuit challenging uh, this uh, law, the one filed by the Biden administration could not proceed. Uh, that's yet another uh, victory for the pro-life movement. I think it is, too. And I think that was just posturing by Biden. I mean, <laughs> these presidents filing lawsuits, you know, to the Supreme Court before they decide on something. But uh, but that was encouraging, too, for sure. And uh, Biden's obviously very pro-abortion has been his entire life. He's not a 30-year-old who's on the fence who's trying to discern where he fits. Uh, he's adamantly pro-abortion, and, and he's showing it on a, on a very, uh, on, the, on the most public platform in the world, which is President of the United States. Uh, Sean, I'd like to get your, your take um, on the other case, uh, the, the Dobbs case, uh, the, the Mississippi law that uh, threatens to overturn uh, Roe v. Wade. Um, it, we've had almost two weeks to to think about it and to to look at uh, how uh, the uh, the media, especially in the abortion side, has been reacting. What's your take uh, on on this case uh, that is now in the hands of the Supreme Court justices? I'm very optimistic, and and the oral arguments don't mean a lot. Um, most attorneys will tell you that that's uh, it's a lot of posturing, um, and it's you know they matter maybe five percent of the time. But if you were if you were observing the oral arguments, it was very very encouraging uh, for the pro life side. Um, I think they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. I really do, and it's going to go back to the states, and and it won't end abortion, but it will it will definitely um, end it in some states and change the dynamic of it for sure, and send it back to the states. So uh, I was very encouraged. I, I think that the Dobbs case being argued. Looks like we have uh, lost our connection with uh, Sean Carney, uh, the president of 40 Days for Life. We're trying to reestablish uh, the connection, but uh, we're trying to get his perspective on uh, the the Dobbs case. And um, obviously, uh, this is this is a case that uh, has been broken down by many uh, members of the media from both sides of the issue uh, for the last couple of weeks. And so uh, there's uh, there's a lot that we can um, that we can look at. Uh, the issue of defining human life is is one that uh, that arose um definitely in in this conversation about this case and in fact uh, Sean I'd, I'd love to get your take on uh, the exchange that went on be, between uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor and Mississippi Solicitor General uh, Scott Stewart uh, we have some audio we'd like to get your reaction on the other side the, the viability line discounts and disregards state interests and the undue burden standard has all, all of the problems that how is your interest anything but a religious view the issue of when life begins has been hotly debated by philosophers since the beginning of time. It's still debated in religions. Um, so when you say this is the only right that takes away from the state the ability to protect a life, that's a religious view, isn't it? 
because it assumes that a fetus is life at when? You're not drawing your, when do you suggest we begin that life? Sean, your thoughts? Uh, Justice Sotomayor seems to argue that abortion is a religious issue. Uh, I can't imagine where she got that idea. (laughs) I'm telling you, this is so good for us because every abortion supporter is cringing when they hear Sotomayor talk about that. This is a religious issue now of when life begins. I guess we need to apologize to Scott Peterson because we put him in prison. He was on death row until recently uh, for second-degree murder of his unborn son, Connor. We need to apologize to all the women who are pregnant and can't get on a roller coaster, all the women who are pregnant and can't get 10 whiskeys at a bar. Um, This is a religious view. Our view of Scott Peterson is religious. Our our rules for women getting on roller coasters is is religious. Um, The ultrasound. The ultrasound is religious. But we don't act like this, John. (laughs) Women don't go to the doctor, get that beautiful confirmation that you're having a baby, and go home and mail out invitations to their baby shower, and then are accused of practicing religion. (laughs) I mean, it's just, uh, this is what they have. Uh, When she said that, this is probably the most dated argument, because most somewhat sophisticated abortion supporters get away from the when life begins. We don't know. It's just kind of a mystery, especially uh, any lawyer, but especially a Supreme Court justice who knows the legal precedent that we've given the unborn. We do surgeries on unborn children. Are those doctors just practicing some kind of witchcraft or religion? Um, So it's ridiculous, and it, it shows. It shows just, like I said before, the mess that we've gotten ourselves into. We're, we're, now, as a nation, legally, we're having to answer for this. We're having to answer for dehumanizing these people. And we, we, these, these conversations that are just basic common sense in our living rooms um, are playing out in the Supreme Court. And, and that's so encouraging. Sean, it got even worse because uh, Justice uh, Sotomayor went on to say um, that uh, she she compared the unborn child with a person who is brain dead. I mean, it was just so outrageous. Yeah, that that's another point where obviously she was bad. I she's crazy, and I didn't really know that until I watched all these oral arguments. But you know, this is how abortion has to survive. Is ridiculous comments from people who are so well-educated saying, you know, if you flick the foot of a brain-dead person or flick the foot of, a, of an unborn baby, they're going to react, you know, but there's no difference. That's what she said. And how'd you like to be her granddaughter? I mean, that, that's the response that you're getting from, from these people. And so um, it's, in, it's very encouraging. People should be very encouraged that the, this is the legal objection to dehumanizing a segment of our population is that their brain did. Sean, uh, do you think that this Dobbs case is has brought and con- will continue to bring the pro-life movement together, 40 days for life, along with hundreds of other groups? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's no doubt this is the time and this is the year uh, to, to, to do something, you know, in 2022 as you're making your New Year's resolution. But, um, you know, we held 
uh, over 200 vigils, 48-hour vigils uh, outside of abortion facilities during the Dobbs case. We obviously had the largest 40 Days for Life campaign ever uh, in 612 cities last fall. But this is the reason there's so much momentum in the grassroots, not just with 40 Days for Life, but with all the wonderful pregnancy resource centers, because people are tired of this garbage from the Supreme Court, and they were not helpless on abortion. We can um, we can do something for the women uh, who are considering abortion in our communities. And, and that's what's happened the last 50 years, and now it's playing out uh, in the court, and I think they're going to lose. I think that's why Roberts is, is telling everybody you're, you're trying to get rid of our authority by, by challenging a federal law. That's the state they're supposed to do. But they know they have Thomas Alito. Kavanaugh was fantastic. He was the biggest surprise in a good way. He stole the show. And, um, and it, it, it should be very, very encouraging. We have Amy Coney Barrett. Um, and, again, we don't know. So much of it is posturing. We don't know how they're going to vote. They could let us down. But um, it, it is it, – pro-life Catholics, for sure, all Christians should be very, very encouraged for life. Uh, with the Dobbs case. Absolutely. And there's still uh, many, many more prayers needed between now and uh, next June um, when the the results are going to be uh, announced. That's the expectation sometime in June, perhaps late June. So we, we have a lot of praying to do. I know that uh, 40 Days for Life has yet another campaign coming up in the spring, and uh, you're already planting the seeds. Absolutely. Yeah. Applications are still open this week, and we, we have people uh, applying to lead 40 Days for Life campaigns. We also just launched a new sidewalk counseling training uh, for sidewalk outreach uh, in, our, in our new university, 40 Days for Life University. So you can find that on our website. And there's a lot of things you can do to help end abortion where you live, regardless of what the Supreme Court does. But in the meantime, we definitely need to be praying and fasting a wonderful intention for Advent. Uh, for an end of abortion in our country. Amen, Sean. We're with you. Uh, we so much appreciate your perspective, and uh, keep up the great work. Okay, thank you. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Uh, Sean Carney, the president CEO and co-founder of 40 Days for Life, 40daysforlife.com. We need to take a short break. When Morning Air continues, we're going to be joined by Catholic author Emily Jaminet, and she's going to talk about the question, what are you going to give Jesus this year for Christmas? Stay with us. There's much more to come here on Morning Air after this timeout. Today's programming sponsored in part by St. Gregory Recovery Center. More information about their Catholic-centered recovery from substance abuse is available at relevantradio.com slash stgregory. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 33 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Thanks for joining us this morning. Our number, if you want to be part of the conversation, 888 now, we know as Catholic Christians that Christmas is all about Christ. Uh, have you ever wondered what Jesus would include on his Christmas wish list if he had one? The Advent season is a good time to reflect on this. Uh, what are we going to give Jesus this year? What are we 
going to give him in terms of our heart and our home uh, to our Lord Jesus this Christmas. Joining us now is Emily Jaminet to talk about this question. What are we going to give the baby Jesus this Christmas? Emily is a Catholic author, speaker, and radio personality, wife and mother to seven children, and the executive director of the WelcomeHisHeart.com. She co-authored the award-winning book, Divine Mercy for Moms, along with the Friendship Project, Prayerfully, and our friend Faustina. Her most recent award-winning book is entitled Secrets of the Sacred Heart, 12 Ways to Claim Jesus' Promises in Your Life. Good morning, Emily. Welcome back to Morning Air. Great to be with you once again. Good morning, John. We're in those final weeks before Christmas. We're still in the midst of the Advent season but everybody's wish list around my house is, is uh, on the forefront of their minds. And I think it's important because when we are at this point in the holiday season and the Advent season, this is an important question. Let's, let's take the focus off what we want, what our kids want, and let's look at, you know, what can we do for that little baby Jesus? What does he want from us? And it's a lot simpler than these, uh, the, the way the materialism and the way secularism is presenting uh, Christmas. Absolutely. In fact, yesterday we lit the the third candle, the third of the four Advent candles on this Gaudete Sunday, which is, which means rejoice. How can we rejoice? What do you see as the as the real solution to experiencing this Christmas joy as we approach Christmas? Well, I think it's putting our eyes back on Jesus, right? As we can get so tied up in, you know, what are we going to serve? Did we get enough presents for all these kids? Did I put something in the mail? Did I do these Christmas cards? You know, let's, let's put our eyes back on Jesus. So I have some simple suggestions that I do as a busy mom with children 22 to 5. It doesn't mean I, I don't intend to do those wonderful acts of generosity for others, but the Lord continues to remind us to keep joy in our heart, right, to keep focused, and to remember that what the Lord's looking for us is a deeper relationship with Him. So the first suggestion is keep your eyes on the Christ child. So, for example, you walk into a store. I usually say, where is Jesus in the store? Maybe he's in a little Christmas card still on the counter. And just acknowledging that this is what it's about. It's not about the materialism of Christmas. It's about Jesus. Emily, what uh, what goes through your mind when, when you hear um, people, especially in, in the, the mainstream culture, uh, not call it the Christmas season, call it the holiday season? Well, I always wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Um, I think that that's very important, especially, you know, people that I see consistently at the post office, at the grocery store, I remind them that this is the reason for the season. I think that's very important. My mom and I were having such a fun conversation the other day discussing all the places that we saw the Christian faith, such as, oh, I saw a nativity scene at this particular store, or, you know, a holiday card. And, and my mom would say, she'd say, do you have any Jesus left in the store to the teller? And, you know, they, they would say, well, what are you looking for? I'm looking for any signs of the real meaning of Christmas. Those conversations point out why we're doing all this purchasing and to keep our hearts focused on the true meaning of Christmas. I'm always up, up 
uplifted when I go into a store and uh, the the person who's helping me at the very end uh, after I've purchased something says Merry Christmas and I think my goodness it, it's still being said because it's, it's almost forgotten in so many places where it's all about happy holidays it is and you know right now we have a lot of trends going on with our children such as the elf on the shelf a lot of these fun things but we have to keep them in perspective in relationship to what is true and that is our christian catholic faith that jesus was born in a manger for each one of us and we have to reiterate especially as parents these important things the second thing that i would definitely suggest for families and individuals, what are you going to give Jesus this summer? Or I'm sorry, this Christmas, you want to give him your heart. This is what he wants. This is the great mystery. Give him your heart. Give him your home. Give him your troubles. Do not be worried over the things of this world, but rather turn to Jesus. And I can't say enough, John, about the importance of the enthronement of the Sacred Heart giving Jesus this dedication of, of your family the way you are at this moment and allowing uh, the Lord to work in a new way to give you a spiritual heart transplant. Can you talk about uh, what exactly that means, what it looks like? Uh, can you uh, kind of walk us through the process of, of enth- the enthronement of the Sacred Heart in one's home? Sure. It's not a sacrament. It's a devotion lived out. And with the emphasis coming from the tradition of St. Margaret Mary Alico in the 1670s, where the Sacred Heart, Jesus, appeared, revealing his heart to her, telling her how much he loves each one of us, how much he loves her, and then from that, giving us the 12 promises of the Sacred Heart. Now, those promises, the ninth promise is where um, he tells us where his image is exposed and honored, you shall be blessed. So the enthronement is really doing that, exposing the image in the home in a place that's predominant, and then honoring him. So a, a holy stop sign in your house is a great way to think of it, of acknowledging Jesus's presence and seeking his grace so that you can live it out. Um, the enthronement that we offer at welcomeisheart.com is self-directed, self-led. It is one in which is 25 minutes a day with preparation for three days and then going through the enthronement with either you or all of your family present. So it's, it's for everyone. And most importantly, the purpose, the point is to have that spiritual heart transplant so you can experience your Christian life come alive with the joy of the gospel and knowing that Jesus is always there for you. I love the devotion to the Sacred Heart. Uh, in fact, uh, I buried my father uh, with the image of the Sacred Heart. Um, it just it's, it touches my heart, uh, and and I am always moved when I reflect on uh, the uh, um, Book of Jeremiah in Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. The 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 prophet writes, "You shall seek me and shall find me when you shall seek me with all your heart." And I think that that's really uh, at the end of the day, that's really what it's all about. Our Lord wants all of our hearts. You know, that's beautiful, the connection that you just made, because isn't that what we're doing in the Advent season? We're seeking the Lord, but we're in a, you know, we're, we're in with a culture that's very distracting. So I think that if we are not deliberate, right, if we do not set our course and put our eyes on Jesus to speak about him, to witness to our family, one of the things we do, John, is on Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, when we gather as an extended family, 
we renew our consecration to the Sacred Heart. We even renew our enthronement to the Sacred Heart. And what we do is we just say, you know, again, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I always tell people, someone must declare those words in each family. So why not, why not you declare those words? That's another uh, beautiful scripture to, the, to meditate on. In fact, I think that, you know, meditating on the Word of God here during Advent, even just little nuggets at a time can really help us to re- uh, remember what this is all about. It's all about Jesus. After all, the word Christmas is Christ's Mass. I, I, I was reminding someone that the other day that that's, that's really what it's all about. It is. And, you know, I know a number of Christian families, Catholic families that have been so busy in the past that they didn't even make it to Christmas Mass, or they have get distracted and not make it to Sunday Mass. So let's make sure we have the right focus, and having those conversations now can prevent that confusion, stress, anxiety when it gets closer to Christmas. Let's plan when we go to Mass. Can you believe we're only 12 days away from Christmas? It's, it's hard to believe uh, as Advent has been flying by. I, I get these uh, letters from, uh, from Relevant Radio, and Father Rocky uh, sends out these regular letters. And the one here in Advent uh, has a great reminder for all of us. In fact, I, I saved it because it, it just it's such a good reminder. And he's reminding us to make a good confession during the Advent season. He says, there's no better way to prepare the soul for Jesus coming than going to confession. Quick thought on that before we go to break, Emily. Again, schedule confession. We just went to confession this past weekend as a family, and we made the time to do it. I can't say enough. If you're seeking the Lord, seek Him with a clean and pure heart, and that the Christian joy that will come from going to confession now as you prepare for Christmas is really a gift for you that you can give to Jesus. We're talking about what we're going to give Jesus uh, for Christmas uh, this year. If you'd like to be part of the conversation uh, with Emily Geminid, give us a call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We're going to take a a short break and continue our conversation on the other side. Stay with us. There's much more to come here on Morning Air. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. That's what it's all about. 47 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. I could keep listening to that beautiful hymn. Uh, 
for the rest of the show, but we have to continue as uh, uh, we are continuing our conversation with our friend Emily Jaminet, Catholic author, speaker, radio personality, wife, mother of seven. We're talking about uh, some simple ways, five simple ways uh, of things that we can do this Christmas season to refocus our hearts and refocus our homes on the true meaning of the season. Emily, welcome back. Thank you so much, John. You know, as we were discussing these important things we can do, it's oftentimes little tiny changes, right, can make a huge difference on how we approach the holidays. You know, we talked about the importance of opening our eyes to the Christ child in our life, giving our hearts and home to Jesus, de- developing a deeper devotion to the heart of Jesus so that we can love our family like Jesus loves us. But, you know, the third one is having holy images in your home, not just having a Christmas holiday season that looks secular, but making sure we have nativity sets that are on display, that we have holy images, that we even, you know, decorate. I, I have some greens above my image of the heart of Jesus. I have a candle lit that I like to remind myself of the importance of a prayerful attitude, especially when I'm cooking and cleaning for my large family. Talk about nativity scenes. I think that having a, a beautiful nativity scene, uh, it, it can lift everybody's uh, heart, uh, especially the children, as we prepare for the, the true meaning of Christmas. You know, sadly, um, a lot of times we can find nativity scenes at thrift stores and at secondhand stores and antique stores. So let's, let's be on the hunt for these holy images and bring them back into our homes. I have three nativity sets I have one that the children cannot touch that given to me on my Christmas day that was a beautiful Christmas present. I have one that's like stuffed animals. It was soft and, and plush, and it goes under the tree so my five-year-old can play with it all she wants. And then another one is just a figurine set that also it's fun to add camels to and extra animals, and it's fun to play with. So having a variety of, of imagery of such as these nativity sets take the emphasis back on Jesus and away from things that are not part of our true Christian celebration of this holiday. Would you say that these are examples of ways that that we can let our faith shine uh, through us? Absolutely. They are ways that we can have our faith shine. And they're holy reminders, right? They quiet us and they, they put an emphasis back on Jesus. And I encourage, you know, this, even though we're 12 days away from Christmas, Let's say you feel like I've had the worst Advent I've ever had, and I'm struggling. You know, pull your family together and gather yourself for prayer, even if it's five minutes of prayer. I like to call it a holy five at the end of the day. You know, just thank Jesus for all of his many blessings, you know, and recommit to family prayer. Where no, no one's perfect, you know, but yet that every day is a new day is such a powerful witness, especially if you are having a difficult time. 888 if you'd like to share uh, how you uh, stay close to our Lord Jesus, how you open your heart and your home uh, to the true meaning of the season, which is Christ. Uh, give us a call, 888 What about uh, the attitude of gratitude here during the Advent season you know, I can't say enough about cultivating the attitude of gratitude. I, I think that anyone that has been around, um, particularly a child or an adult who's not grateful for what they have received, 
it breaks your heart, right? It's very sad. But cultivating that gratitude attitude leading up to Christmas is really important. So as parents, when we put the emphasis back on Jesus, we actually are giving the whole family the blessing. So little things we do to cultivate an attitude of gratitude is we speak about the things that the Lord does for us each and every day, little things. I'm so grateful that my parents could come over today. I'm so grateful that the weather was nice. Point out what you're grateful for. Speak of those things. Every morning I write down my gratitudes in a gratitude journal so that I'm even recording these things. So when I am in a time of desolation, I can go back. So not only speaking about it, reflecting on it, bringing it to prayer. And the Apostle St. Paul has a beautiful scripture in Philippians uh, 4, 6, and 7 uh, about this very topic, uh, this this attitude of gratitude. Uh, do you have it in front of you? You know what? I'm just opening it up right now. Yes. Um, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 is, The Lord is near. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, a prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, Make your request known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. What a beautiful scripture. As we talked earlier about grounding ourselves in scripture, pulling those scriptures into our heart and reminding us the Lord does not want us to have any anxiety. That's, that's very important. He's not a God of anxiety and stress. But with everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, so that's our gratitude, make your request known to God. So what a, a beautiful formula, John, for how to approach prayer and how to root and, and see those points of gratitude each and every day. It really is a beautiful scripture that we can really focus on and meditate on. Um, in our final moments, uh, your thoughts on the importance of living out our Catholic faith in these final days, finishing strong down the stretch as we approach Christmas. Finish strong. That's all I can say is plan, put it in your calendar. When are you going to go to confession? Pull your children and have those family meetings and share with them the expectations of the season, such as we'll be going to this Mass on this day. We'll be gathering for family at this time. The family rosary is really important in these final days. Communicate these things to reduce stress and anxiety in your children, and they make sure that they happen. But mostly know that Jesus loves you. He was born in a manger for each one of us, and he died on the cross for our salvation. That's what this season truly is about. And Emily, I'm so glad you, you uh, mentioned the Family Rosary. Of, uh, of course, here on Relevant Radio, Father Rocky leads the Family Rosary across America every night, 7 p.m. Central. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to see 100,000-plus of our listeners all praying together and especially to hear the voices of the little ones, the children. You know, a lot of times, I, John, I take my phone, I turn on Father Rocky's rosary, I put it in the center of the coffee table, and we gather and we pray. And hearing those prayer petitions touch each one of our hearts. So I can't say enough to your listeners. If you are alone, pray the rosary with Father Rocky. And if you're with your family, pray the rosary with Father Rocky. Fantastic. Well, uh, many blessings the rest of the way here in Advent. And Merry Christmas, Emily. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much, John. God Emily Jaminet, Executive Director of WelcomeHisHeart.com, and now it's time for another edition of Glenn Story Corner. 
Our story today is called The Christmas Carol by Victor Perichin. When World War I erupted in 1914, launching the first great European war of the 20th century, soldiers on both sides were assured they'd be home by Christmas to celebrate victory. That prediction proved to be false. The men on the fronts did not get home for Christmas as the war dragged on for four years. During that time, eight and a half million men were killed with hundreds of thousands more dying from injuries. The war to end all wars took a horrific human toll and transformed Europe. On Christmas Eve, in December of 1914, however, one of the most unusual events in military history took place on the Western Front. On the night of December 24th, the weather abruptly became cold, freezing the water and slush of the trenches in which the men were bunkered. On the German side, soldiers began lighting candles. British sentries reported to commanding officers there appeared to be small lights raised on poles or bayonets. Although these lanterns clearly illuminated German troops, making them vulnerable to being shot, the British held their fire. Even more amazing, British officers saw through binoculars that some enemy troops were holding Christmas trees over their heads with lighted candles in their branches. The message was clear. Germans who celebrated Christmas on the eve December 24th were extending holiday greetings to their enemies. Within moments of that sighting, the British then began hearing a few German soldiers singing a Christmas carol. It was soon picked up all along the German line as other soldiers joined in harmonizing. The words heard were these, Stille Nacht, Heilig Nacht. The British troops immediately recognized the melody as Silent Night, Holy Night, and began singing in English, along with the Germans. The singing of Silent Nights quickly neutralized all hostilities on both sides. One by one, British and German soldiers began laying down their weapons to venture into no man's land, a small patch of bombed-out earth between the two sides. So many soldiers on both sides ventured out that superior officers were prevented from objecting. An undeclared truce had erupted and peace had broken out. Frank Richards was an eyewitness of this unofficial truce. In his wartime diary, he wrote, we stuck up a board with Merry Christmas on it. The enemy stuck up a similar one. Two of our men threw their equipment off and jumped onto the parapet with their hands above their heads as two of the Germans did the same. Our two going to meet them. They shook hands and we all got out of the trench and so did the Germans. Richards also explained some German soldiers spoke perfect English, with one saying how fed up he was with the war and how he'd be glad when it was all over. His British counterpart agreed. That night, former enemy soldiers sat around a common campfire. They exchanged small gifts from their meager belongings, chocolate bars, buttons, badges, small tins of processed beef. Men who only hours earlier than shooting to kill were now sharing Christmas festivities and showing each other family snapshots. The truce ended just as it had begun by mutual agreements. Captain C.I. Stockwell of the Royal Welsh Fusiliers recalled how after a truly silent night, fired three shots into the air at 8.30 a.m. on December 26th and then stepped up onto the trench bank. A German officer who had exchanged gifts with Captain Stockwell the previous night also appeared on a trench bank. They bowed, saluted, and climbed back into their trenches. A few moments afterwards, Captain Stockwell heard the German officer fire two shots into the air and the war was on again. John 14:27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Be not afraid. Open the door to Christ, as Pope 
St. John Paul II said so many times. I want to also remind you, make a good confession this Advent season and join Father Rocky for the Family Rosary Across America with all your prayers and petitions, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. That'll do it for this edition of Morning Air. For Glenn Leverins, producers Gabby Burke, Mariano Gomez, Sarah Tafoya, the whole team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow. The Patrick Madrid Show is next.